<laughs> Wait, you're still eating? <laughs> My world kind of revolves around food these days. <laughs> okay. Hi, welcome to a bu- welcome to a Hi, welcome to the bundle of hers. It's me and Bushra here. And today we're going to um, talk about something that's really close to my heart. I'm very, very excited to do this episode. One reason we started this podcast is because we wanted to make sure that all the voices um, were heard and the voices that are unfortunately missing in a lot of conversations are voices that are important in every discussion that we have in medicine and healthcare. But sometimes it's really difficult to find those voices. This episode's been a long time in the making. In our studio today, we have Julius. He's a second year medical student. And me and Bushra today just really wanted to talk to you, um, Julius, about kind of your journey to medical school. So welcome to the studio. Thank you for having me. I just kind of wanted to start out, Julius, with the first time we met. Do you remember that? So we met at, was it Second Look Day? Yeah, we were in Second Look Day. You actually approached me. Uh, Well, you looked familiar, and I don't know if I've seen you before, but I do know your older sister. Yes, Julius actually knows my um, both of my older sisters. He actually went to school the time they were there. I'm old. (laughs) um so when we first met i think the thing that struck me julius is you asked me he's like oh i know your older sisters i went to school with them and i was like you went to granger high school you know the thing that really struck me was the overwhelming feeling of comfort that i had julius went to granger high school i went to granger high school so just kind of a background for the listeners the school that we both went to it's on the west side of salt lake And it's in West Valley City. It has a large, I would say, minority population. And we kind of grew up in a place where I think the idea of like achieving higher education was something that was unthinkable for a lot of us. Would you agree with that, Julius? Yeah, you can kind of consider it an inner city school. Mm -hmm. I don't know that you would compare it to other inner cities in the nation, but um, very low economic status, socioeconomic status in that area. And I think when I saw that you were there and I was there and I was like, wait, is this the first time in history that two (laughs) Granger High School students are in the same med school class? West Valley is like the ghetto of Utah. Yeah. When I was on a mission, people Mm -hmm. knew West Valley as a place you don't go. Really? It's not just, you know, West Valley who thinks that it's pretty much everyone else. I was like really excited because I never have ever seen a Pacific Islander (laughs) doctor. And you were on that path to become a Pacific Islander doctor. So what about you? Did you see that growing up? No. Um, and that's one of the things I was excited about was, I mean, someone from West Valley from Granger High School, but also um, someone in the minority population. So for Pacific Islanders, I don't know. I didn't know at the time any Polynesian or Pacific Islander physicians, not one. What about when you had gotten into med school? Like, what was your family's reaction? And are you a big part of your Samoan community, your Pacific Islander community? What was their reaction? I had a lot of support. And Mm -hmm. so people knew what I was doing and what I wanted to do. With that, I I mean, I felt like I had a good support system there and Mm -hmm. a good community. But as far as anyone to look up to, there was no one. Mm, And so for my community, they pushed me because they had never seen anything like that before in Mm -hmm. any of their families in any generation. I think that's such a great achievement. But do you feel like with that also comes a little bit of pressure? Yeah, at least in my own 
family and, you know, extended family and community, all eyes are on me. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a motivation, but it is a lot of pressure. Again, going back to the high school we went to where we grew up, um, there's a huge percentage of population that is Pacific Islander. Um, and I remember the first things I noticed because I did my undergraduate degree here at the University of Utah as well. I noticed a lot of Pacific Islander students didn't go on to higher education. And then when I went to med school, again, I think you're the only person that I know in the school that's Pacific Islander. What do you feel like is that the barriers that come with that? Um, one is just exposure. So mm-hmm. because there are no other Pacific Islanders to kind of set that bar, um, we don't have anything to look to. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing is we didn't have a lot of, I guess, help from any other communities or any other populations, yeah. um, especially at Granger High School. I don't know if it's something in that school in particular, but there was no one helping us to mm-hmm. go to the next level to gain a higher education. There was no um, there were no resources at the time. I sometimes I don't know if the the problem is like, is it a internal problem within my family, my community, or is it an external problem that I didn't even feel like a lot of the educators there really pushed us? What do you think? I mean, there would always be a couple, you know, that's Mm -hmm. how you get where you do like you need those mentors. But I just feel like no one ever said, let's work on applications for college. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Like you mentioned, I think it's a little bit of both. It is Mm -hmm. an internal thing within the Polynesian Pacific Islander community Mm -hmm. where that's just not something that we strive for. Um, Right. And I don't know why that is. Um, I have thoughts that perhaps we're too focused on athletics Mm because I don't know if we're good at it, but uh, it comes easy for Pacific Islanders. And I was actually an athlete um, when I first went to college in Billings, Montana. We kind of look to that as our kind of ticket out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it's a little bit of that internally, but mm-hmm. then externally, again, a little bit of we don't have any resources. I'm the oldest in my family amongst my siblings. And so I didn't have uh, someone to look to either in that in that regard. I think it's interesting that you guys mentioned that because I kind of have a similar experience. I come from a family of I have seven siblings. So there's eight of us total, but I'm in the middle every generation above me like they went through that process and so i've gained something with regards to you know how to apply for fafsa scholarships all these things that like my eldest brother like he struggled with right Mm -hmm. um like i had the opportunity to come straight to college right out of high school with this with the full ride scholarship like he started at slick yeah he couldn't afford um the university of utah I feel very privileged in that I got to learn from their like mistakes and their like journey without that. I don't know that I would be at the same place. Yeah. And so I think that's a huge point that you guys made. Yeah. I think it's just like the whole culture was because it was like an overwhelming culture. I felt like growing up sometimes as well. Like not only were you hearing on the outside, you couldn't get anywhere, but it also was on the inside. And I don't know I think it was just sentiments that people couldn't express that like just would go within them and they'd be like, yeah, we're not going to get anywhere. It was just easier for them to say, I won't achieve anything than say like, no, I'm going to try doing this, you know. So with all those barriers, Julius, you got here. We're like in our second year of med school, which is like there's still a long way to go. How did you end up getting to medical school then despite all of this? Uh, I don't know. I had a lot of support behind me 
They mm-hmm. didn't know what they were doing either. They were just throwing their support, throwing yeah. their good vibes, monetary support at times, because I do have a family and, and right. we were poor and we didn't have anything. So all of that was a huge help. I just had a really good support system. My wife, we have six children, but she t- bears the brunt of that. And that's her dream to have a, a big family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know like exactly how I got here. I'm very grateful to be here, but I really don't know. You you are on the older end of our class. So my question is, why did you decide to start pursuing medicine at a later age versus right off the bat? Yeah, it's a good question. And this was an interview question. Like, why medicine? Um, and so, again, I looked to those that have come before me and I didn't see anyone like myself. And so you have to ask, you know, why medicine? Um, one of the thoughts that I had, you know, going through the pre-med courses was, Looking at the Pacific Islander community, there are a lot of social workers. There are a lot of nurses and a lot of athletes, uh, like I mentioned, but there were no physicians. And mm-hmm. so I, th- I figured, um, what is it? What's the difference? And I think that when I took everything into account, the reason I chose medicine was everything that I have, any talents or abilities that I was given, they were best used in medicine. Any um, knowledge or scientific prowess that I have would be best used in medicine than any other field because mm-hmm. there, were no, there was no one like me. And that mm-hmm. was my thought process. Um, medicine is the best route to be able to help the, the greatest amount of people to have the greatest influence. And so that's why I chose medicine. But why at that moment in your life? Um, there were a lot of things, especially like health issues within mm-hmm. the Pacific Islander community. I, I remember a time when there were funerals literally every week, um, mm-hmm. cancer. And, and so, you know, I, I could have done social work. I mm-hmm. could have done nursing. I could have done all these other things. But I felt like the biggest influence, not only for treating them directly, but mm-hmm. indirectly helping others to come and pursue medicine as well was in medicine. When did you have that realization that you want to do something for a bigger community, a system. I remember growing up, you know, I was just like an Indian girl, Punjabi girl in school, just like doing my thing. And I think it was in college, I took this intro to ethnic studies class. And I really understood the power one person has to help a community. It's by like telling our stories. It's by being examples. So when did you have that realization? I don't know. I think that um, when I was when I went back to school, so mm-hmm. uh, the backstory is that I went to play football. Mm-hmm. I fell out of love with football. And now I'm thinking, what do I want to do with my life? And thinking about all the support, like I mentioned, that I've had in my life, how am I going to give back? And so that was the realization that, you know, the biggest way that I can influence again and give back is through medicine. I think that setting the bar that high was really scary But I felt like that was the biggest way to help, again, set the example for others that are to to follow and then to help a community that I love in West Valley. You mentioned that you were going, there was a time you were going to a lot of funerals of people within your community. What is the Polynesian or specifically, I guess, Samoan perception of health? And how do you, how does that contrast with the American uh, system and its values is there a discrepancy, number one, and is there a way to bridge that? Yeah, so um, I think that it kind of mirrors the American standard of, like, weight mm-hmm. and um, 
the preventative care is sort of the solution to that, which we're kind of missing. And so in the Pacific Islander community, not just Samoan community, but Pacific Islanders in general, they um, are very hesitant to see a physician until it's too late. And mm-hmm. that was one of the reasons is there was no preventative care, mm-hmm. cancer, um, obesity, diabetes. They run rampant in the Pacific Islander community. Things that they don't see, um, they won't go to a doctor for. Mm-hmm. So hypertension, things like that, they will never see a physician for until it's too late, mm-hmm. until it's hurting, until something is really wrong. And so that, I think, is a, a big deal. Um, And I think that as a physician, a Pacific Islander physician, I did think that I can help change this. I can educate that community in preventative care Mm -hmm. and um, looking out for things that are not seen that you don't feel until it's too late. I'm seeing a lot of like similarities between the Pacific Islander community, Somali community, Punjabi community, because we're all the same same in that regard because people don't get their blood sugar checked they don't get their blood pressure checked they don't get that basic like healthcare checkup yearly that they need to do until like you said it's too late my thought process is okay if it's the same in all of these communities there must be something within those communities like something that affects those communities that leads to this discrepancy I think, like you said, you hit the nail on the head is we would combat that with preventative care. And it's funny that all these communities need the same thing. I do notice that, like, even in my family, once my sister became a doctor, everyone would go to the doctor more often or sometimes you don't have that direct impact. But I think that indirect impact is just as powerful because you see people are invested in healthcare in your community, learning about this. And then they're like, oh, maybe we should go see the doctor, mm-hmm. too. You know, I s- certainly am an advocate for especially people in my community to go into the healthcare fields, particularly medicine, because, you know, I'm in medicine and there's not very many of us out there. And I want to see that for like all of the minority groups that we see and we grow up with and Mm -hmm. make a huge portion of our population in Utah. And I want to see that reflected um, within the classes here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. And just to kind of bounce off of that, we tried to find a specifically Mexican student here at the University of Utah School of Medicine because Mexicans make about 13% of the population here in Utah, and there isn't a single medical student that identifies as a Mexican here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Yeah. It's like a huge discrepancy. I think the reason um, we thought that that would be great, Julius, to have a conversation with you and another um, student is because these are populations that I've grown up seeing around me. And I do want to reiterate like sometimes the issue isn't that there are people applying and they just don't get in i think the largest issue is getting to that point of application like we are not getting enough applicants that identify as pacific islanders as mexican americans and that's where i think that this issue is more than just an external thing and i think julius you brought this up that it's multi-dimensional right i know this topic is something we could go on about But I just want this to be the initial conversation. So um, is there any thoughts that you had about anything that we've talked about that you really wish that our listeners would know? Um, Hopefully there are Pacific Islanders listening. Um, I think that I agree with your statement that it's not an issue of 
applicants applying and um, not getting in. It's an issue of there are no applicants, specifically the Pacific Islander community. I restarted a group that was started back in 2006, the last time we had Pacific Islander medical students. It's called the Pacific Islander Medical Student Association. And so I went out looking, finding yeah. whoever it was a pre-med student that identified as Pacific Islander, and I found no one. And mm-hmm. so it's not an issue of can we make them competitive applicants? We just need to make them applicants. Right. Um, and hopefully get them started on that journey. I think one thing that I will say West Valley did for me was it toughened me up. I knew I could go through a lot, but mm-hmm. still be a lot. Yeah. We all, everyone has the same opportunity to go to med school because like to even be considered for an interview, you have to like fall within these metrics, right? Right. And then after that, they look at you as a person, your experiences, what they meant to you and stuff like that. And part of that experience is because, yeah, I'm a brown girl that grew up in Salt Lake City and I have a lot of experiences to talk about. Yeah. So I love how you said that. Actually, that's a different way I've heard. And I think it's something important. I kind of wanted to end off. One thing that I've really admired in the Pacific Islander community is you guys are born with a sense of community. I think that's one thing I've always seen growing up that how close you y'all are within your like families and your communities. Would you agree with that? I totally agree. There's sort of an inside joke that Whenever a Pacific Islander is like successful in whatever, recently it was the national championship for uh, college football. The quarterback is Pacific Islander. And so the inside joke is that he's my cousin. And so (laughs) on social media, like that's my cousin and we're all related. But I think that stems back to, you know, when we grew up in the islands, I didn't specifically grow up in the islands, but we have villages and we all looked out for each other and that Mm -hmm. kind of. Um, trend holds still when they come here to the United States. I think that's such a beautiful thing about your culture, something that I really admire and I hope to learn from. And I'm just really happy we both went to Granger. <laughs> we're from West Valley. We're, House. we're always representing. <laughs> and um, you're here to have this important and necessary conversation with us. Just in general, I think people of color, one thing that we can agree on is there is less representation of us. And that's something that we hope to impact. And our way of impacting is through this podcast, is through getting our voices out there. And hopefully your voice also reaches other students that identify with your story. And I think the goal of today's podcast was that there is a discrepancy and there are many, many, many reasons for that. And just like Julius, um, you know, you had that internal drive. People will say a million things, but really believing your worth and what you want to be. I think that's really um, the key point. So if you want to be a doctor, you should be it no matter what people say to you. Um, we're just really happy that you come into the studio. Thank you, Julius. Thank you guys so much. I just want to say thank you. You guys are doing amazing work and thank you for the platform. Yay. Thank you. Okay. So we are so excited that you all could listen to that conversation. Please join us for our next episode and listen to us on iTunes at the bundle of hers and also follow us on Instagram. I don't know what else to say. So I'm just going on and on. I might have to repeat it. I just saw Chloe's eyes like, (laughs) (laughs) okay, sorry. That was bad.